We are so glad that you have chosen to stream this audio, and we hope it will encourage you in your faith and your walk towards Christ-likeness. As a side note, we pray that this audio sermon is just supplemental in your relationship with Christ, and in no way replaces the church you are plugged into or the pastor that God has put in your life to shepherd and care for your soul. And so with that said, please enjoy this sermon. We have prayed that God would use it in your life. You'll be freed from fear forever. You'll be cured. These were the, the words of a villain on the show Gotham, uh, who was a doctor, as he was uh, speaking to his son who had wrestled with fear for many years, and he had created what he thought to be an antidote to fear and thought that he could cure him forever. Ironically, uh, the, the doctor had taken this own his own antidote to fear, and indeed, he did get rid of fear, but a couple scenes later, he died because he had no fear. Uh, he died in a shootout with the police and, and as they were trying to arrest him, and, and he tried to gun the policeman down, and, and he died because he had no healthy kind of fear. And so when we think about fear and, and this question of, can, can we be freed from fear, uh, it's a good question. And then another question we have to ask is, is fear always a bad thing? Is, is anxiety always bad? Is worry always bad? Or can fear be a good thing if it's rightly placed? You know, if, if, if you think about a, a car that's coming towards you on the street and, and there's, this, there's this healthy kind of fear that causes you to step out of the way, it protects your life. It's a good kind of fear that, that delivers you from danger because it's rightly placed. But fear can become bad. It can become crippling when, when we're so terrified of cars that we can't use them to get around, can't use them for their intended purpose. And so there is this, this difference between a healthy or a good kind of fear and a bad kind of fear that is crippling and weighs on us. See, if you've been with us for a few weeks, we just finished a, a series in the book of Genesis, walking through chapters 1 through 11, and, and today's just a standalone message, and, and the reason I wanted us to look at the idea of fear is because it's something that most of us deal with on, if not a daily basis, on a regular basis. And some of us are crippled by fear and anxiety and worry. Some of us deal with this... Uh, Every moment of every day, it's a constant battle for us. See, fear, it can, it can be crippling. It can, it can lead us to this place where, where we can't think about anything else but what we're afraid of. See, it, it can dominate your life, your every thought. It can even crush and destroy your relationships. See, some of us fear spiders. Some of, some of us fear disease or death. Some of us fear conflict. Some of us fear public spaces or enclosed spaces. Some of us, we're afraid of people's opinions or we're afraid of the past or the future. See, we all wrestle with fear in different ways in life. And, and if you've ever had the privilege of, of, of walking with people through their fears, then, then one of the things that you begin to realize is that it's something that you struggle with as well. You see, as I've had the privilege of walking with people through fear and anxiety in the counseling room, 
Uh, I, I've seen people who have struggled with fear to the extent that they can't get out of bed in the morning. They feel trapped in their own home. Because to, to, to don the door, to, to take a step out, is to take a step into danger. You see, I've, I've, I've talked with people who, who struggle with constant panic attacks because they, their, their current life is affected by things that happened years ago, traumatic experiences of abuse and, and things that they've never really walked through and dealt with, and, and it impacts how they deal with current stressors and things that they're walking through in life today. And for some of us, fear is, is this just nagging reality that we deal with from time to time as we go throughout our lives at work, at home, or even at church. See, fear is something that we all deal with, and the question is, can we be freed from it? Can we experience freedom from anxiety, worry, and fear? Well, I think today what we want to do is look at the scriptures, and I think what we will find as we look at some of what God's word has to say on this subject is that when, when we understand fear rightly and when fear is rightly placed in God rather than in our circumstances, then we can experience a growing freedom from fear and anxiety as we walk with the one who is sovereign, the one who cares for us, and the one in whom we can place our trust and hope. And so I hope you'll see that with with me today as we look at six different things that God's word has to say about our anxiety and our fears. I I hope that God will bring us increasing freedom from fear as we look to him and his word. So open your Bibles. Uh, There's a couple places I want you to bookmark. We're going to look at a series of passages today. So if you're normally with us, what we typically do is we walk verse by verse through a book of the Bible. But today we're looking at what the Bible has to say as a whole to this topic of fear and anxiety. And so we're going to look at several passages today, and, and you won't have time to flip through all of them with me. If you want to try, they'll, they'll be on the screen, and, and I, I encourage you to do that. But there's a couple places we'll talk about significantly, and one is in Matthew chapter 6, and the other is in Philippians chapter 4. So I hope you'll turn to those in your, in your Bible as we begin our time together. And could I just pray for us one more time? Would you pray with me? God, we ask for your help and your presence now. We thank you that you are present with us. Jesus, we thank you that you rule and reign on the throne, that you reign over the heavens and the earth, and that we can trust in you no matter what we walk through in life. And God, I pray that you would help us as we we think through our own struggles with fear. Would you help us to place our our fear, our trust in you? Would you give us freedom from anxiety? God, we need you. We ask for your help humbly and boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the first thing that I want us to look at is just this idea that there is freedom from anxiety in God's word. And so look, in 2 Peter chapter 1, here's what we read, here's what Peter tells us about life and godliness. He says, talking about God, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great 
promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And so what Peter is getting at here is that God has granted to us everything that we need in his word for life, for living a godly life, for living a life where we're trusting in God, we're trusting in Christ and following after him. And as we deal with the daily struggles of life, this is no less true. See, the the amazing hope of God's word is that it meets you where you are and it's sufficient to help. See, Peter says that God has granted to us by his own power everything that we would need for life and living a godly life. He says that God has even granted to us his very great and precious promises and that through them we can become more like God. We can grow in godliness by looking to God's word, by looking to his promises. We can grow in freedom from anxiety and fear by looking to the promises of God's word. See, in in the Psalms, we read several things about God's word, but in Psalm 19, we read some amazing promises about God's word. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes, and the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. See, what the psalmist is getting at is that God's word is perfect. It has what you need in life. See, God's word, it it revives the soul. It makes us wise. For life. It, it gives us reasons for joy in the midst of a broken, fallen world where we struggle on a daily basis. It, it enlightens us and it changes our perspective of the world around us and of our own hearts and minds. God's word speaks to us in the midst of a difficult life where we struggle with fear and anxiety on a daily basis. God's word is sufficient to help us find freedom from anxiety, fear, and worry. See, but there's, there's a side note that we, we, we need to talk about for just a moment. When, when we talk about this idea that God's word is sufficient to help us, we're not saying that it's the only source of help there is. See, sometimes when, when people talk about the idea that the Bible is sufficient to help you with your problems in life, what they mean is that you should, you should only look to Scripture. You should never look to a doctor or medicine or anything like that. And that's simply not true. That's not what the Bible is saying. See, the Scriptures testify to the fact that they can help us with the daily problems we experience in life, fear and anxiety being one of those. The Scriptures speak to fear throughout the Bible from the beginning to the end. And they have divine power to help us walk through this difficult struggle in life. But that doesn't mean that it's not important to see doctors and take advantage of medicine. Because here's what the scriptures testify to as well. God has made us as whole beings, both spiritual and physical See, when we lean towards or we discredit one or the other, we have made a serious error. 
Because God made our bodies just like he made our spirit. We are spiritual and physical beings. We are a union of all that God has composed us of. And so this means that in life, when we struggle with things, sometimes we need both spiritual and physical help. Sometimes we need the truths of God's word to change our mind and our heart. And sometimes we need modern medicine to help us deal with things that are broken in us physically. And and we need to hold these two things together because they address who we are and who God has made us to be and the ways in which the fall of Genesis 3 have impacted and affected us. And so we look to both spiritual and physical resources for help with the daily problems of life. We don't look just to one or the other, so we don't look just to medicine or just to God's word. We look to the ways in which God has given us wisdom through his word and wisdom through what he has made to help us. And secondly, we see that much in line with this, there is freedom from anxiety and both spiritual and physical rest. Have you ever noticed that your, your anxiety skyrockets when you're tired? That whenever you're exhausted, the, the things that you weren't even afraid about before all of a sudden are present in your mind and they won't leave you alone. You see, when I'm tired, I, what I've noticed about myself, um, even in the last couple of years, is that when I'm really tired, I begin to have these uh, irrational fears about, about something bad happening to Brittany. And, and, and what I noticed was that, that I, I began to, to, to trust in, in my own thought process, in my own way of thinking about life that, that I knew better than God did, and I trusted my own words so that whenever I dealt with this kind of anxiety about something bad happening to my wife, what I, what I would do is that I, I had this irrational thinking that said, if you say you'll see her tonight, then nothing bad will happen to her today. And so as she would leave or as I would leave the house, I would say, hey, babe, I'll see you tonight. And I trusted that because I said it, it would be true. And what I was doing in that moment was I was trusting in my own thought process. I was trusting in my own word rather than God's. See, we, whenever we're tired, we have anxieties that, that sometimes don't even make sense, but they, they skyrocket in the midst of physical exhaustion. I play basketball a couple times a week in the early mornings to, to kind of help me deal with some, some stress in life and, and just because it's a, a good, fun, healthy thing to do. And, and what I notice is sometimes when, when I'm exhausted on those early morning uh, workouts, when I'm at the gym with other guys playing ball, is that I'll even have these nagging fears about breaking a bone or tearing a ligament as I'm playing. My thoughts will almost uh, uh, attack me as I'm having fun playing a game with, with people that I care about. See, when we're tired, our, we're weaker, and our fears tend to be more prominent. Because we're both physical and spiritual beings, and, and both of those parts of us are important. See, here's what we read in 1 Timothy about uh, the value of physical and spiritual training. It says, Having nothing to do with irrelevant or silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness. 
For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. There's two things I want you to notice about Paul's words to Timothy as he writes there. He said, bodily training is of some value. So the physical matters. The way you care for your body matters. The, the, the sleep patterns you have matter. The ways that you eat matter. The things that you do to, to exercise and to care for yourself physically, they do matter. Because God has given you a, a physical body to steward in this life. But he also says that the spiritual matters as well. And, and, and even more so in ways because it affects both our present life and the life to come. And so we, we, need to find, uh, we need to find rest and freedom from anxiety in both uh, physical ways and spiritual ways. We need to eat right. We need to sleep the way that we need to. We need to be disciplined in these things. And this is one of the areas in which I struggle. See, for some of us, some of us would be freed from much of the anxiety that we deal with on a daily basis if we just got eight hours of sleep. If we just ate better, if we just did the things that we needed to do in terms of working out, taking care of our bodies in a physical way, we would experience much greater freedom from the anxieties we deal with on a daily basis. And some of us, it's not necessarily that part that impacts us in in as significant of a way, but it's it's the spiritual side of things. It's the ways that our our heart is thinking and, and the things that we're wanting and so we, we need a, a spiritual kind of discipline where we're growing in godliness, where we're seeking after God and following Jesus and growing in Christ through scripture reading, through meditation on the word of God, through prayer and through singing about God's goodness. See, we need physical and spiritual disciplines to experience freedom from anxiety because God made us as physical and spiritual beings. One of the ways that I, I try and do this is, is there's this uh, fairly new app out there that's called Dwell. Uh, Dwell is this Bible app that has several different voices you can, you can choose from, and it's, a, it's an audio Bible app where it will read the scriptures to you, and they have different reading plans uh, where you can go different through, different, through different books of the Bible, through the Psalms, through Proverbs, uh, through Ephesians, through different books, or they have different plans for, you know, at night when you're trying to rest and go to bed, when you're trying to wind down and trying to get your mind from, to stop running and, and racing and to settle down and rest. They've got different plans to, to help you meditate on God's word in a way that helps the thoughts of your heart rest in him. And so it's a, it's a great app. I'd encourage you to check it out. It's called Dwell. You can get it on uh, Android or Apple devices. And, and it's a good way to constantly be reminding yourselves of God's truth in the midst of life. And it's a good thing that you can take with you wherever you're going, on your way to work, on your way home, as you're working throughout the day, maybe you can listen to it, or as you're about to go to bed at night or getting up in the morning. Thirdly, we see that there is... Freedom from anxiety in God's presence and care for us. See, God's word over and over again testifies to his presence with us. In Isaiah 41.10, we read, Fear not, for I am with you. 
Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so God's word tells us not to be afraid because God is present with us, because he's our God, because we're in relationship with the maker of the heavens and the earth who controls everything and rules and reigns over it because he is with us in the midst of life's difficulties. He says, fear not. In Psalm 23, 4, we read, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In 2 Corinthians 1, Paul, as he's talking about this, this time in his life where he says, he will read, he despaired of life itself. He says this about God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with with which we ourselves are comforted by God. He goes on to say, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. He's talking about suffering. Affliction means suffering, things that you suffer in life. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And so Paul, as he walks through life's difficulties, as he struggles with things in his circumstances that lead him to believe that he he might just die, he sets his hope on the God who raises the dead. He sets his hope on the God who is present with us in the midst of suffering and trial. He sets his hope on the God who made all things and who delivers us and will deliver us. See, the Bible talks about how Jesus at his second coming will deliver us from the things that we suffer in this life. He, in 1 Thessalonians this 4, this common passage that you, you probably have heard read at, at funerals and, and memorial services, he, Paul talks about not wanting people to be uninformed about those who are asleep or those who have died before them because he doesn't want them to grieve as those who have no hope. And, and the, the hope that he points them to is that just as Jesus was risen from the grave, he will resurrect those who have trusted in him to new life, even though they die. That when Jesus returns at his second coming, the dead in Christ will rise to be with him forever. And so Paul points us to, in the midst of of, of fears about death, he points us to our risen Lord who is coming again. In Revelation 21, John, he says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. He goes on to say, he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. He says, there won't be mourning, crying, pain anymore when Jesus comes again. See, the thing about fear is that fear happens when we realize we're not in control. 
And so Matthew chapter 6, if you've got your bookmark there, here's what we read in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew writes for us about uh, Jesus' words. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father, he feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so what we just read in Matthew is, is Jesus told us not to be anxious not about the things that we want in life, the things that we wish would happen, the things that we need. Jesus just told us not to be anxious about food, water, clothing, the things that are absolute necessities in life. Jesus said, don't be anxious about them. Don't be fearful about them. You see, Whenever we, we don't have these things, whenever we realize we don't really have control over gaining them, no matter how hard we work or, or, or what we try to do to ensure that we have them, sometimes in life we get to this space where we actually realize we're vulnerable, where we actually realize we're not in control. So if you ever think about, you know, maybe riding in the car with your spouse, okay? So Brittany's going to get mad at me for this one, but love you. Um, so whenever Brittany's driving, I, and, and many of you probably do the same thing too, whenever she's driving, I'll be sitting in the passenger seat, and what I'm almost always doing is I'm pushing my foot into the floorboard as hard as I can, just believing that there's somehow a break on that side. You know? and, and the thing about it is, is it's not because Brittany's a bad driver. It's because I realize I'm not in control over what's about to happen. And I begin to be afraid because I'm not in control of what needs to happen here. See, fear is what happens when we realize we're not in control in life. We're not in control of what's going to happen. Whenever we realize this, oftentimes it leads us to a place of intense anxiety. We, we, we deal with intense fears because we realize we're not in control. We, we realize we're not in the driver's seat in life when we work a bunch of overtime and, and yet we still don't have enough to pay the bills. When we read every book that there is on marriage or parenting and yet our marriage still falls apart or our kids still rebel. 
We, we realize we're not in control in life when we drive carefully and we still get hit by a drunk driver. We realize we're not in control in life when we pray and plead with God and our loved one still dies on the operating table. See, all these things can lead to fear in our hearts and life because we realize we're not in control. You see, but it's not just that fear arises when we realize we're not in control. It's that fear arises when we don't believe God's in control. In Mark chapter 4, we read, On that day when evening had come, the, the, the disciples are going to be in a boat with Jesus going across to the other side. He, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with him in the boat, talking about Jesus, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. So the storm's coming, the, the boat is breaking, and, and Jesus is, is sleeping on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? And in that moment, can you just imagine being those apples? We almost died. Jesus, how are you not getting this? The boat was breaking. The wind and the waves were coming for us. We're out in the middle of the sea, and there's nothing we can do. What do you mean, why are you so afraid? Jesus says, have you still no faith? And look, look at the disciples' response after Jesus talks to the wind and the waves and makes them stop. The disciples, and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? See, the disciples, in that moment where the storm is raging around them, they were afraid because they did not believe that God was in control that they did not believe that God was sovereign over their circumstances. And so they were afraid of their circumstances. They were afraid of death. They were afraid of what was coming. And when Jesus speaks to the wind and the waves and he says, peace be still, and they stop, what they realize in that moment is that they've been fearing the wrong thing all along. Is that the one that they should be afraid of is in the boat with them. That they ought to fear the God who is with them more than the circumstances that are around them. Because the storm seemed great and mighty until Jesus just spoke to it and it stopped. See, the disciples, their fear shifted from something that for those who trust in God, who trust in Christ, should not be afraid of their circumstances, it shifted to the God who's sovereign over it, the God who's in control at all times, the God who, even though he was laying on a cushion, was still sovereign over the storm. See, their fear shifted, and it was placed in the right spot 
See, one of the keys to freedom from anxiety in this life is that we fear God rather than our circumstances. We have more fear, reverence, and awe of who God is than we do ascribe value to what the circumstances may be telling us that is not true in light of a God who rules over them. So the question is, are you looking more to your circumstances than you are to your God? Are you looking more to what might happen than to the God who knows what will? What are you trusting in this morning? Are you trusting in what you see or the God who is unseen? See, a lot of our anxiety comes down to this. Where does your heart place its faith? See, but then we have this objection, this thing that we all wrestle with. But what about when God doesn't stop the wind and the waves? What about when the storm continues to rage on? What about when life gets really hard and we do lose a loved one? When we can't pay the bills? When we realize we're not in control and we still see the storm around us and Jesus hasn't yet said, peace be still to it when it's, we're still in the middle of it. What about those moments? Well, I think there's hope to be seen here as well. Even, because here's the first thing. Even when we think that God is asleep, he's still in control. The disciples thought Jesus is, is just asleep and, and he's going to perish like the rest of us. But the reality was is that Jesus wasn't afraid because Jesus knew that he ruled and reigned over the waves. So even as the waves were raging around them, God was still in control even before Jesus said peace to the storm. Even when you don't have what you need to pay your bills, God is still in control. Even when your family is torn apart by abuse or infidelity or some kind of suffering that you're walking through, God is still in control. Even when you lose your loved one to a disease or a tragedy, God is still in control. He is, as we will sing in a few minutes, sovereign over us even in those moments in life. And secondly, here's just the reality about those tough things that we walk through in life, those moments. We ask the question, why? And the answer is, I don't know why. I don't know why the storm is still raging around you. I don't know why you're walking through what you are right now. God hasn't told me. He hasn't told you. He hasn't told us. I don't know why what's happening to you is happening. I don't know why my brother-in-law and his wife spent a month in the NICU with their newborn daughter and almost lost her several times. I don't know why after they were finally home and out of that traumatic experience, their good friends did lose their newborn and why he had to preach an open casket funeral for a baby after almost losing his own. I don't know why any of that happened. See, sometimes 
there's some freedom in, in realizing that we don't know. That we don't know why God is walking us through what he's walking us through. I don't know why, period. But here's what we do know. Here's what Paul just told us about that we read a few minutes ago. He told us of this God of all comfort, this Father of all mercies, who comforts us in every affliction, in everything that we walk through in life. He's present to bring comfort. And as Paul says in another letter, peace that transcends understanding. What I do know about what my brother-in-law walked through and, and what that family that he walked through even, even more tragedy with is that the God of all comfort comforted him and, and somehow used him to bring comfort to another struggling family. I don't know why. I don't know what God was up to, but I, I do know God was doing something. He was present. Because that's what God has promised. That's what God has told us. So we spend a lot of time in life wondering about the things God hasn't told us. And we miss the comfort that can be found in what he already has. See, one of the hardest and yet most freeing things for life and particularly for our, our battle against anxiety and fear is to realize that God is God and we're not. When Job had lost everything, he'd lost his family, his job, he had lost everything. And, and finally, there was this moment where despite his strong faith, some doubt and some bitterness had creeped in. And, and what God showed up and said to him was this, the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind and he said, who is this who obscures my counsel with ignorant words? Get ready to answer me like a man. When I question you, you will inform me. Where were you when I established the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimensions? Certainly you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it and what supports its foundations? Or who laid its cornerstone from the, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? See, See, God's response to, to Job as, as he begins to become embittered in the midst of his suffering is, Job, you're not God. You didn't make all things. You don't know what's happening the way that I do. You see, sometimes we forget that we're only 25, 45, 65, even in our 80s and 90s, and God is eternal. Which means that just like a parent sees reasons for things that they tell their child to do or that their child is going through that the child cannot possibly see, our God even more so knows all things and understands things that we don't. And, and the beauty of it is, the freedom of it is, is that you don't have to be God because you're not. That when life doesn't make sense, when fear and anxiety wage war against you, you don't have to be God. Because there's already a God who made all things, who's sovereign over it all that you can trust in. In Matthew 6, there, 
Jesus says, do not be anxious three times. And what we need to see here is that there can be freedom from anxiety and repentant faith. Because when Jesus says, do not be anxious, he's giving us a command. Which means that when we refuse to trust him and trust more in ourselves and our own abilities or our circumstances, what we're doing is we're refusing to trust God. And so we need, we need to turn from trusting in us, from trusting in the way things seem, and to trust in the God who knows what you need before you do, who cares for you because you're of more value than sparrows or plants are, who provides what we need. You see, Jim Neuheiser, a biblical counselor, he said this about this passage. We, we see three things and hear about anxiety and fear. One, that it's senseless because your heavenly Father cares for you. Two, that it's, it's useless because your anxiety can add nothing good to your life. And three, that it's, it's faithless because your anxiety denies God's intimate love and sovereign care for you. You see, at the heart of anxiety is fundamentally this belief or faith problem where we're trusting in something more than we trust in God. And what God is trying to show us repeatedly over and over again is that we can trust him when the wind and the waves are all around us, when life doesn't make sense, the God of all comfort can bring a kind of peace. The God of peace, as Paul says in Philippians 4, can bring a kind of peace that transcends understanding. And what Paul tells us to do is find freedom from anxiety and prayer and praise. He says this, and we'll end with Paul's words here. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So he says, because God is at hand, because God is present, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in all circumstances, in all of life's trials, and everything that is difficult, and everything that you are afraid of, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Did you know God wants to guard you? That you don't have to protect yourself. Because the God who's sovereign over us, his peace can guard your heart. If you trust in him, if you lift everything up that is concerning to you to him, if you rejoice in him despite what the circumstances look like around you. Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything that is worthy of praise, he says, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So can you, can you find freedom from anxiety? Can you do it in one sermon? 
Can you do it in one Bible passage? Can you do it in one prayer? Yes and no. You see, there's, there's a kind of freedom from anxiety that Jesus offers to us when we place our faith in him. And the shift is, the, is that instead of anxiety being the core baseline, instead of fear being what controls us, faith begins to be what's more prominent. And, and the beauty of what God is doing with his kingdom is that it's both already and not yet. That we can find freedom from anxiety by trusting in Christ while also knowing that in a Genesis 3 broken world, we still struggle. And that God, one day, as he's walking us forward, as he's causing us to grow continually, one day Jesus will return and wipe every tear from our eyes. And so can you find freedom from anxiety? Absolutely. Doesn't mean you're never going to be afraid in this life. But it means that anxiety doesn't have to be what rules. That the one who is sovereign over us is just that. And so we can trust him. Would you pray with me? God, we humble ourselves before you knowing that we're in great need of your mercy, of your grace. We need you to bring change in us that we can't bring in ourselves. God, we need help to trust you when life is hard. God, I pray for my friends and and for myself right now that when we struggle with fear, God, would you empower us by your spirit to look to you? Would you help us to trust? Would you give us faith and help our unbelief? God, we need you. And so, Lord, we look to you. Despite the things that we're afraid of, even now in this moment, we look to you as the one who is sovereign over us. And we ask that you would remind us of that truth continually. In Jesus' name.